You're listening to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa, coming to you red hot like Motley Crue. And unlike Motley Crue, I don't need backing tracks to do this podcast. Before we go any further, and before we bag on the crew anymore, um, by the way, I love Botley Crew. I just wish they'd actually play live and not be memorized. Uh, anyway, uh, please do me a huge favor. Rate us five stars and write a review. When, when this show is done, uh, whether you're listening on Spotify, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. It helps pushes our content out to more people. And if you write a review, I always say constructive criticism is welcome here. It helps us get better, helps us bring you the content that you are looking for. And if you do both of those things and then take a screenshot of it and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, you'll get a Heartland College Sports koozie. How's that sound? So you can take that on the boat. Uh, You can just chill at the house and watch the Women's College World Series or the Big 12 Baseball Tournament with it. And you can t- let everyone know that uh, you've got great taste in podcasts and uh, you only consume the best in college sports content on the internet at Heartland College Sports. All right. We're not saying that you should, you know, exclusively read us and listen to us. But if you did, uh, we'd be really cool with that. All right. On today's show, um, we're going to go through OU schedule. Um, DraftKings has put out their win totals for all the Big 12 teams. We'll tell you what they said about OU. And we'll find out if there are, in fact, as many wins on OU's schedule as DraftKings thinks that they should possibly have. And I'll do a little revisionist history and tell you why Kel Gundy should not have been fired from the OU football program. So we start off with OU. Well, all right, we're always starting off with OU. It's called the Sooner Schooner Show. We do it, we do it all the time. But according to DraftKings, OU's win total for next year is, drumroll please, nine and a half. Nine and a half. Which means you're going to be at least three wins better than you were off a year where you went six and seven and couldn't tackle anybody after the third week of the season. That's what OU is going to do. Win nine and a half games or... Maybe they're not going to win nine and a half games. Maybe you're a guy that's going to take the under. You should also know they've got OSU at six and a half. And again, I know this isn't uh, the Bedlam podcast, but OSU is kind of a smart bet at six and a half. Mike Gundy will win at least six games this year. So I'd go bet a little money on on OSU in the over. They've got Texas at nine and a half. Okay, so will Texas be nine and a half? Um, I'm going to say, yeah, I'd probably bet the over on Texas. Not because Urban Meyer says that they've got the best roster in college football. More on that a little later. But because I don't see anybody on their schedule that should scare the living hell out of them. Same with OU. Let's go through OU's schedule and find out if, in fact, there are nine and a half wins for them to get this year. You start off with Arkansas State. This game's in Norman. Uh, No time has been set. It's Saturday, September 2nd. Just know that it's going to be muggy. It's going to be humid. But, hey, that's all right. There's beer being served in the stadium. We can all cool ourselves off, and we will be comfortable and just happy to have football here. You're playing a team that is coached by the disgraced Butch Jones, who OU beat in overtime when he was at Tennessee. 
And it's a team that finished three and nine last year. And and if I've already said that, I apologize. I need to let you know that they did finish last in the Western Division of the Sun Belt, not posing a threat at all to OU whatsoever. And if OU was favored by anything, um, if OU was favored by 42, I probably wouldn't take OU in the points. But if they're favored by about 31 in this game, yeah, I'm laying money on OU because they're going to waltz over Arkansas State. And unless the guys from Phi Kappa Sigma can't tackle in the fourth quarter, yeah, OU's going to cover easy. You're 1-0 to start the season. You follow that up with Southern Methodist coming into, into Norman. No more Tanner Mordecai. In fact, they've got a kid named Preston Stone, who's a redshirt sophomore. Rhett Lashley's in his second year. Last year, just a 7-6 and six football team, which honestly wasn't that big of a change of where they were under Sonny Dykes. I mean, Sonny Dykes finished with an 8-4 and four regular season the, the year before and then took all that magic to TCU. And Rhett Lashley's pretty much got the same philosophy that Sonny Dykes does, which is, hey, you leave DFW when you're miserable someplace else, come back here, play for, for SMU, be good. That being said, he's still trying to figure things out. Southern Methodist should be better than what they were last year. They should win the AAC or at least be extremely competitive in the American Athletic Conference. But they're not going to be in the same class as OU. OU's going to hammer them. They'll be favored by double digits in this game. Again, it's another easy win for OU. And yeah, what the heck, they should cover. Now you get out on the road and you make that dreaded, tough road trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where your fans are going to outnumber the TU fans. And I feel a lot of sympathy for former OU offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson because I would tell you right now that New Mexico State is the toughest job in all of FBS football. You've got no recruiting base in Las Cruces. There's no money in Las Cruces. The care factor is less than zero. Tulsa's care factor is it's above that. On a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably about a 5. You don't have facilities. Um, Looking at Tulsa this year, some of their best defensive players transferred out, even ended up at Oklahoma State. You do have a good quarterback in, in, in Braylon Braxton. But Tulsa, at this point, doesn't even have a defensive coordinator. Like, I'm not kidding. Tulsa had a defensive coordinator. That guy got hired away because TU does not make them sign contracts. And Kevin Wilson went through all of spring without a defensive coordinator, and he doesn't have one now. He's most likely going to be put in a Bill Belichick situation where he just lets a couple of guys call plays. That's not good. That's not good when OU has Dylan Gabriel, who should be better than he was last year, when OU has the running backs that they do. And even though it's just Drake Stoops and Jalil Farouk in the receiving core, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, OU's going to kill him. OU's absolutely, absolutely going to decimate Tulsa, which is not good for for Kevin Wilson, and I want to see him do good. But, hey, this is a show about OU. So OU is 3-0 going into conference play where the Big 12 has done them a, a huge favor by giving them Cincinnati and giving Cincinnati the home game in this one. Well, welcome to the Big 12, Cincinnati uh, your first game's at home, but you do have to play OU. And Brent Venables is trying to prove that he can coach in the Southeastern Conference. So when that point spread is set to 10 and they pummel you by 30, 
just get over it. And Cincinnati, this is not one of those games that, you know, maybe I'd worry about it a couple of years ago when they beat Notre Dame and they ended up going to the, the college football playoff. I don't worry about it now with Scott Satterfield taking over for Luke Fickle, who's who's on to Wisconsin. And again, it's it's a program that's trying to get cranked up. It's trying to get turned in the right direction. They're just happy to be in the Big 12. And it's not that they won't come out fired up and ready to play OU. Uh, they're just not going to beat OU. You're three, excuse me, you're four and oh, four and oh, when you're back at home playing Iowa State who's a major underachiever last year at one and eight. Iowa State's only conference win last year against West Virginia. That's it. You you beat West Virginia. You didn't beat anybody else in the big conference, in in the big 12. And Matt Campbell, for as many issues as he's given OU, and for as much praise as he's got, is turning out to be a giant underachiever, or at least proving he cannot maintain a certain level of success in Ames. OU starts the year 5-0. Easy 5-0. and And I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your skirt. I'm saying the schedule is that bad. So you're already halfway to the over at this point. You've got Texas and Dallas on October 7th, my wife's birthday. This game was 49-0 last year. You, you already know that. Um, Urban Meyer says that Texas has the best roster in all of college football. Now, I honestly believe the only reason he's saying that is because he's trying to put pressure on Steve Sarkeesian and he's hoping he can snake his job right out from under him. Like, oh, yeah, they've got the best roster. You can trust me. I'm Urban Meyer, man. I've won a couple of national championships. Florida, Ohio State, people love me. Forget about what happened in Jacksonville. If you want Texas to compete in the SEC, I know the SEC. You need to hire me and fire Sark. Uh, that, that Urban's putting out dog signals. Now, my my co-host on my daily show here at 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa, which, by the way, former Oklahoma State football coach Pat Jones, believes he's Urban's just trying to pump up Fox. I don't care. You've lost two NFL running backs. Two. Um, Quinn Ewers is still your quarterback, and while he's good, he's not great. I'm not convinced the guy behind him, Malik Murphy, might not be better, even though he did not win the job in spring. I'm not really feeling all that great about Texas. That being said, um, I'll I'll give OU the L on this one. Again, uh, 49-0 last year. You have no idea how that messes with their psyche, even though OU's better. They still may not quite be as good as Texas is, whatever that means. And OU loses. So you're five and one. And your next game after a week off is against another one of these new another one of these new schools from the Big 12. It's against Central Florida. Gus Malzon, his crew, nine and five last year in in you know the American Athletic Conference. Not sweating this one. You're back on the winning track at six and one. So you're already, oh, right now, you're already halfway. You're halfway to the over. Kansas could be a bit of a problem. Jalen Daniels is coming back at quarterback. This is a guy threw for over 2,000 yards last year, completed 66% of his passes. He's got a good backup. Lance Leipold's doing a hell of a job 
uh, up there in, in Lawrence. And the last time you were in Lawrence, it took a miracle play from Caleb Williams in order for OU to win. Still, you beat him 52-42 to 42 last year, and you weren't near as good as you were the year before. OU wins. So what have we said at this point? 7-1 and one going into Bedlam. 7-1. and one. Now, OSU will have a better record this year in Bedlam than they did last year. Doesn't necessarily mean they're a better team, and they won't be a better team. You don't lose Spencer Sanders and Mason Cobb and become a better team. OSU, running backs-wise, is thin. You've got a couple of playmakers in receiver. All that's great. Defensively, I don't get why you're going to the 3-3-5 and you're moving a kid like Colin Oliver around. Uh, Yeah, you're lucky enough to have a schedule. If you're Mike Gundy, you're lucky enough to have a schedule that sets you up to have a lot of success but you still are probably not as good as most people want you to be. And you'll get a lot of people thinking OSU's better than what they are, but in this last Bedlam game, even with that crowd being in a frenzy, because it is the last time we are going to see Bedlam for a great while in football, even though uh, Oklahoma State will come out and play with a chip on their shoulder and I think we've learned the last couple of years that just because you've got Oklahoma State on the mat, it doesn't necessarily mean that they give up. One year, you let them back in and you lost it. The other year, you you let them back in and you almost lost it. OU has to come out with an absolutely killer mentality. Brent Venables will have his team to an absolute razor's edge for this game. So will Mike Gundy. But obviously, the better athletes are going to win. Now, at this point, you're you're already, it's, it's all you need is two more wins. You're at eight wins. West Virginia, by the time OU plays this one in Norman on November 11th, uh, Neil Brown may be packing up his office. And um, I think we know from what, what happened in the what happened in the Nebraska game, if Neil Brown is fired, at least fired that week, it probably bodes well for OU. If he's fired earlier, West Virginia could be tough. And I don't think any of these games are necessarily gimmies on this. I just know that OU is going to be favored in all of them but Texas. And OU should have a better roster. OU wins that one. There's nine. So this leaves you with two games to determine whether or not you're going to go over. BYU and Provo won't be easy. Keaton Slovis, the uh, the USC kid, is their, is their quarterback. Um... ATN from Oklahoma State transferred there as an offensive lineman. I'm not sure how much of a difference that makes. 60,000 strong. Much like OSU, they'll be whipped into a frenzy because it's OU. By the way, BYU 2-0 against OU lifetime. Beat them in the Copper Bowl and then beat them in in what we have deemed the Landry Jones introduction game. Um, I think that – was that the first game in AT&T Stadium? Can't remember if this is the first game in AT&T Stadium or not. But BYU has had success against Oklahoma. They're not going to be scared. Um, I'm going to go on the positive side and say, oh, you wins a close one, and there you are. There's 10. There's 10. Bet the over. TCU, you're playing them. Chandler Morris should be quarterback there. You, you know, you've lost Max Duggan. You've lost a lot of guys off that team. I think they return 11 starters total. Uh Four on offense, seven on defense, and that's not a defense you ought to be all that scared about. 
Um, Kendall Bryles is their new offensive coordinator. TCU's in a transition year. And it's Black Friday. It's in Norman. It's your last Big 12 regular season game. And it may be the game that decides whether or not you go to the Big 12 championship. Oklahoma wins. By all that, Oklahoma should be 11-1. Now, you're an OU fan. If you're, I'm assuming you're an OU fan if you're listening to this. So you know as well as I do, there's always that one game since 2001. There's always been that one game that nobody saw coming that jumps up to bite OU in the ass. What game is that going to be? Uh, my my possible games, the ones that you circle, and unfortunately they're, they're more obvious than, than they are necessarily that got you game. BYU would be the first one that you circle. Oklahoma State would be the second. Again, I don't know how much of a surprise it would be for OU to lose either one of those. Those are going to be tough games. Uh, that Oklahoma State game will be very emotional. That BYU game will, will be very emotional. So, you know, even if you're giving them the loss with Texas, the Oklahoma, the, the Oklahoma State, the West Virginia game, the Kansas game, those are the three, those are the three that I'm circling that I think OU could possibly lose this year if they go out and give a lackadaisical effort. And depending on what happens with TCU, you might circle them as well. I just can't go there right now simply because I got to see TCU play. I've got to see how they play and whether or not they're going to be even remotely close to what they were last year. So uh, we've broken OU down to be 11 and 1, which means that uh, when you pull out your, your DraftKings app in a state other than Oklahoma, you can bet the over and feel safe. Just for entertainment purposes, for entertainment purposes only. Uh, Earlier this week, Bob uh, Huggins, head coach at West Virginia, and still head coach at West Virginia, uh, was on Bill Cunningham's show. Bill Cunningham works at 700 WLW in Cincinnati. And Bob Huggins made a comment. There was a conversation which led Bob Huggins down some very bad roads, and he made a comment about Catholics, and then he inserted a gay slur after that when talking about Xavier fans or the Xavier student section. Either way, it was a disgusting comment, and it's one of those comments that's absolutely indefensible, but it's not a comment that shouldn't be unforgivable. And what I mean by that is, Look, people like to use the term cancel culture. I hate that term. I hate it because it implies that it, you know only one side of any argument wants to eradicate the other. And that's just not true. If anybody's being honest, we've gotten to this weird point in society where everybody's looking to eradicate anybody that does not agree with them and, and doesn't hold up to what their standards of what they think a human being is. That, those are just facts. Uh, you need proof of cancel culture being around long before uh, what some people are calling wokeism. Uh, I go back to the 60s. John Lennon said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. And in Alabama, Birmingham, they burned his records and banned the Beatles. Don't think that was your <laughs> I don't think there was people on the left thinking that. Um, all that being said, the thing I am most sick of is bloodlust. Absolute bloodlust. Where when somebody says something stupid, our our reaction is not only do we want them fired, but we want them to be embarrassed. We want them to be called out 
for being bigots or, you know, homophobic or, or whatever, whatever the terms you want to use. We want to see them suffer. And for some people, no amount of suffering is good enough. And what's ironic about that is that's usually not the people that were offended. So I agree with West Virginia not firing Bob Huggins over this. I don't like what Bob Huggins said. In fact, I hate what Bob Huggins said. But the guy's in his 70s. And he knows better. And because he's in his 70s and knows, knows better, he shouldn't say it. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad human. And you got to give people a second chance. And, and, and you have to forgive. When we forgive, we can actually move forward in this society. We can actually move forward and start to maybe understand that we're not as different as, as we think we are. Okay? Maybe there's some things we disagree on, but I don't think everybody's near as different as, as, as sometimes we like to point out. And how all this relates to Kel Gundy is you get into the situation where him, where what Kel Gundy did was pick up an iPad and read lyrics. Now, Kel Gundy wasn't cognizant, and Kel Gundy spewed a word or said a word. Yeah, I didn't say, I didn't spew is probably wrong to say. Said a word that, to me, and my father is the most vile word in the English language. Okay. Yeah, there are people that he really offended, people that he really hurt. But I don't think the players, from what I remember, the players on the team did not want him fired over it. And they were, I think they were willing to get past it, and you could have moved on. And for poor Kale, he had to pay for it with the price of his job. Now, with freedom of speech comes great responsibility. And also, when you say and you hurt someone, there there are consequences to pay. But I, but when you start to just want to get rid of someone's livelihood and you use the excuse, well, they're making millions of dollars, so I don't feel sorry for them. You know what? I don't care how much money you make. You're still a human. Still a human. And when you screw up, more likely than not, you have a harder time forgiving yourself than people do forgiving you. And I would hope that we've learned with Bob Huggins, who's going to lose a million dollars of his salary next year, and he's going to have to go to sensitivity training, and he's going to have to, he's going to end up being suspended. First of all, by the way, I don't get the whole sensitivity training thing. I just, I just don't, um, especially for a guy his age. I, I don't see how much it's going to change him. I mean, you don't change your grandfather. I mean, heck, you probably don't change your ways all that much in your 30s. Um, I'll say I've done a lot of growing, done a lot of growing since, uh, since my 30s. But I'm glad Bob Huggins didn't lose his job. Hopefully he's learned and he won't say that those words anymore. And hopefully the people that he offended will eventually forgive him. If they don't, hey, that's up to them. All right? That's not for me to say. But I'm glad that we haven't seen the outcry on Bob Huggins that just want to eradicate him and destroy him. And for Kel Gundy, you know, from what I understand, he's doing great. But I look back on it last year, and Kel shouldn't have lost his job. Kel should have been able to apologize, make amends, and learn and grow and, and go do what he's been really good at doing for a long time, and that is mentor young men and coach football and recruit. And those are things that I know that he loves deeply, and we've had him on our show since then, and I know that he misses it. And and whatever Kale wants in the future, I wish nothing but the best for him. But I think with, with, with so many of us, 
Um, we've got we to gotta stop the bloodlust. We've got to stop wanting to make people pay so horribly for their mistakes that the only people that it satisfies are just us who want to act incredulous when we hear something that we don't like. And never forget, when it comes to freedom of speech, that First Amendment is there to protect speech that you don't like, not speech that you do. That wraps up this week's show. I know it took a weird turn, but I hope you'll be back with us next week. Um, And please give us five stars and write a review. And when you write that review, uh, screen capture it, send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com and get that koozie. Get that koozie. That's really awesome koozie. All right? There you go. Boats, pools, every place you can drink a koozie. Hey, tailgating. I've never mentioned tailgating. Take it tailgating with you. Until then, and I mean this sincerely, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote rock and roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.